Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We honor your name. As our brothers and sisters have led us in praise tonight, you are the one that we adore. You are the one that we follow. We've committed our lives to follow Jesus Christ, and we pray that you might be pleased with us, Lord, in our desire to serve you. Forgive us of our sins today. Forgive us of those words that we have said, those actions, the things we have done that would be displeasing to you, that would not bring honor to your name. We pray that tonight as we look at your word that you might speak to our hearts, that we might learn from the life of Moses what it is that you would teach us about how you have called us to salvation and you've placed a calling on our life. We are your called ones. May we live out the calling which you have given to us. We pray for many of our people who are sick tonight. We pray for them that they might be strong. We pray for the many who are watching us tonight who cannot be with us for some reason or another. We pray for our students as they meet on this campus, all of our boys and girls, and the many who study the Word of God in other places uh, here on the church grounds. And we pray that you would help us as we gather to think about your Word. May our minds be, uh, may our minds be clear and focused tonight. May we truly be able to discipline ourselves to focus on your word tonight. We bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ now, and that Jesus would be honored and glorified through all that we hear tonight and read in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you who are here. There are outlines here, if you didn't get one, or at the back. And we're in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. Those of you who are joining us online. May the Lord bless you. You're always welcome to be with us. I hope that you can uh, be with us when you're uh, able to do so. In the meantime, <clears throat> we're honored to have you <clears throat> join us either uh, personally or virtually. And we've learned a lot about that during these days. <clears throat> so tonight we look at uh, Exodus chapter 3, uh, Moses, a man who heard from God. Our focus tonight is around this truth that God called Moses to serve his purposes. God called Moses to serve his purposes. God called Moses to serve God's purposes. So tonight we'll spend a lot of time talking about the calling of God. Tonight we'll, we'll consider the importance of understanding God's call. We'll use Moses' life as an example of how God called him. Not exactly the same as he calls us as believers, but there are some similarities. <clears throat> and then we'll, <clears throat> we'll look at several things together that will help us understand the uniqueness of being called as God's people. What I'd like for you to do, see, remind you just in Exodus chapter 1, this is what we, where we began. Moses was saved from death by the faith of his parents. What a wonderful story it is. We read it. We spent a lot of time there. If you were with us and you've been with us on that uh, we know how much the New Testament speaks about that. And in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 speaks of the faith of uh, Moses' parents to take that child, put that child in a little ark and send it down the river of death uh, and uncertainty. And yet they trusted God. What a great story that is about parents walking with God and trusting God for their children. Moses was also prepared for service to God in his years of exile in Midian. We picked up on this in uh, chapter number uh, 2, verse 15, 
when Pharaoh, uh, when Pharaoh heard that Moses had uh, killed the Egyptian, uh, when he heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh. And uh, we read in verse 15 of chapter 2, he settled in the land of Midian, and there he was, and then he met his wife, and he had two children, and uh, he was known as an Egyptian. It's interesting, uh, as is reported uh, by the women when he protected them from the shepherds, verse 19, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And what is more, he even drew water for us and watered the flock. It tells us something about the humility. It tells us something about the nature of Moses. He was a man of God. He was a man who spoke with God. He was a man who heard from God. Moses was a humble man. And so tonight we begin to look at this very important principle of Moses' call by God to serve the purposes of God in his day. So what I want to do is I've just outlined for you here the verses from chapter 3, beginning in uh, verse number 1 all the way through the end of the chapter. We'll just walk along through here and we'll read it together and I'll make some comments. First of all, uh, we, we read in verses 1 through 2, Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Horeb will become a very important place uh, as we study the book of Exodus uh, in the days ahead, uh, the place where Israel met God. In fact, we're going to see tonight that, uh, that God speaks to Moses and lets him know his purposes, his secret purposes uh, ahead of time and that he would come and bring the children of Israel to worship at the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning <coughs> with fire <clears throat> Excuse me. Yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why? The bush is not burning. So God called Moses through an unusual circumstance, a burning, non-consumable bush. I would say that's an unusual thing, wouldn't you? You don't every day see bushes that don't burn up. They just keep burning. So there was an unusual nature of something that's going on, something even out of the ordinary for what uh, Moses was experiencing. And remember now, this is, a, this, is, this is a 40 years of time, 40 years of time uh, that Moses is here, uh, 40 years approximately in Egypt under the best schools and education they can be. Thank you, brother. Someone always feels sorry for me every time. I apologize. What can I say to you? A side note, my, my dear brother, Roger, my preacher friend, we all started our churches together in California, and they've been, uh, well, they're tougher than me. They've pastored one church for 35 years. They're tougher than me. But uh, he's, Roger, you're not listening to me, but he has to not preach now because he's got things in his throat. I hope that's not my circumstance, but who, who knows, whatever it is. Someone will keep bringing me water and you'll send me throat lozenges and honey at my door. And, and I appreciate all of it. 
And some of you have sent me some of your home remedies, and I like that. That's good. Some of them have been helpful. Some of them, frankly, have tasted awful. I'm going to do what I can. <clears throat> so please, I hope it's not a distraction to you. I try not for it to be, but it, it's this the nature of where I am. All right, with that said, we're back on this. Remember, you have 40 years of high education and training in Egypt. Then you have 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. You see, God prepared him, as we said, chapter 2, for his time of being called by God. I'm pointing this out to you because sometimes we, when we come to this about the bush, we forget that this is an unusual circumstance, even for, for uh, shepherds in the wilderness. And so now he's, uh, we know it's unusual because uh, we see that Moses turns aside and notice he says in verse 3, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Isn't that an interesting phrase? He's speaking to himself. There's no one else there, but he's, he's all alone and there he is in the wilderness. He's in the right place for God to speak to him without distraction, without those who would uh, cause him confusion. Uh, in a very serene place, a wilderness place, miserable place, but yet uh, he's there and he knows all the places to go. He knows where the water is. He knows the sources. And so here we find Moses. He turns aside now to this unusual uh, occurrence and he wants to see why the bush is not burned up. I want to highlight this matter of the unusual condition or circumstance of Moses calling because that has something to do with how God calls us. He calls us to be saved. Many times our testimonies have through unusual circumstances. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Secondly, then we read God saw and called Moses when he responded. Notice because of this occurrence, Moses turns aside and it's very interesting to see when the Lord saw that he turned aside. When Moses paid attention to this um, unusual circumstance, when Moses paid attention to this unusual circumstance, we read, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, notice God called to him. God called when Moses turned aside to this unusual circumstance of a, of a bush that's not consumed. That's a very sweet and wonderful thing for us to think about. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, two times saying his name, Moshe, Moshe. And he said, here I am. He is Moses. You remember as we uh, looked at these words before and we talked about the words of Moses and uh, Moses was named by Pharaoh. God calls him by his Egyptian name, Moses, Mo Mose, as it is in Hebrew and then we speak it in English, because he was drawn from the water, the one saved from the water. That's what God said. God knew all about Moses already. God knew all about the circumstances of who he was. God speaks to him. Now a voice calls to him his name. Moses heard God call to him personally from this unusual circumstance of the burning bush. Moshe, Moshe, the Lord says. And what does Moses say? Here I am. 
Here I am. It's me. Yes, I'm here, is what he's saying. Yes, I'm here. Can you imagine this? Who knows how long it's been since Moses heard the voice of another person? He, he's with sheep. I, you know, I guess you hear the voice of the sheep, right? I mean, the noises of sheep. <clears throat> but when was the last time he, was, he heard the voice of someone speak the language to him? Now he hears in the middle of the wilderness his name. God calls him by his name. He personally knows Moses and he knows the name he was given by his Egyptian adopted mother, the one drawn from the waters. Well, we read on and we see that the Lord then says to him, do not come near here, remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. So we see in these, this verse uh, that God calls Moses to reverence him and his holiness. So out of the call of God, out of this unusual circumstance, he speaks to him personally, but then reminds him to show reverence and holiness to him. Though this place was a burning bush, it was a place where God's presence was and where the presence of God is, there is holiness. There is reverence. That is important for us to learn as we think about the call of God and the holiness of God in the call of God. When God speaks, it is holy. When God speaks, it is a holy place. When God speaks, it is a holy experience. When God speaks to you and to me through the Word of God, it is a holy experience. We must never discount the privilege of being saved and being able to read the Word of God and learn and hear and understand it. Not everybody who reads the Word of God understands it, my dear friends. This is a closed book to those who are not saved. Never forget that. You're saved. You have the privilege of the Holy Spirit as your teacher. And the Word of God comes alive. When God speaks, it is a holy thing. So God <clears throat> calls Moses to remove his sandals. The place he was standing where God was speaking. Where God calls people to himself. It is a holy place. It's a holy thing. It was a holy and sacred thing when God called you to salvation, wherever it was. This is a bush in the wilderness. There's no sanctuary yet. There's no tabernacle yet. We're, we're going to learn about a tabernacle. Uh, we're way away from the tabernacle. The mountain of God, this granite rock out in the middle of nowhere and at the base of the mountain of God, a bush burns that never is consumed and God speaks. The holiness of God speaking to Moses in a God-forsaken seemingly place. Well, there's much for us to think about there. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now... The one with the Egyptian name is reminded of who he really is. God continues to remind him, I know who you are. I know where you are from. You are, a, you are a child of Abraham. You are a child of Isaac. You remember his father was a Levite of the tribe of Levi. Moses comes from the tribe of Levi. I am the God of your father, 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses, notice, this is overwhelming. Can you imagine this? We read this, and this is so simple to you. We've all in this, you know, a lot of you are old people like me. You've been hearing this story since you were little tiny children in preschool at the church. Never forget to read this again for the first time. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The one speaking to him from the bush now reminds him from his calling, I know all about you. I know all about you. And I remind all of you, my brothers and sisters, all of you listening, God knows all about you. He knows there's nothing hidden from His sight. God knows all about you. He knows where you've been today. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what you're planning this week. He knows. He is intimately acquainted. He made you in the womb. He knows who you are. There's not an accidental thing about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God knew Moses and spoke to him, and this experience shook Moses. It brought to him what we've learned on Sunday mornings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So here we see Moses fearing God in this holy place at the mountain of God. While the bush burns, God speaks to a man who seemingly has nothing to offer God. <clears throat> a washed up Egyptian trained Jew. Well, so then we begin to read in verse number 7, new paragraph, the Lord said, God goes on now. <clears throat> he says, I have surely seen. Now, now he begins to talk to him about what God knows. This is interesting. God now begins to... This is, a, this is a pattern we'll see in the life of Moses. Moses is a great man of God. I remind you again today, Moses is responsible for... He's a towering figure in the Old Testament. You can pick Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You can pick Joseph. You can pick any of the patriarchs as we call them. But there is a towering figure and it is Moses. Moses is the author of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses is the lawgiver. Moses is the deliverer of the children of Israel by the power of God. Moses is a towering figure. That's why in the book of Hebrews, Paul compares uh, the Lord Jesus to Moses and to Levi, to Aaron, because of their towering responsibilities. So we see now that the Lord says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. First time someone hears from God who reminds them what's happened to Israel. Moses is here 40 years. Where's God? Where's God? We've, we've seen this before. We've seen this, this agony, this trouble, this struggle. We saw it in chapter 2, verse 23. It came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died and the sons of Israel sighed because of their bondage and they cried out and their cry for help 
because of their bondage, rose up to God. So God heard their groaning. This is chapter two, verse 24. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and God saw the sons of Israel and God noticed them. We don't know the length of time between the end of chapter two and this call of God, Moses' call at the burning bush at the mountain of God. God sees things before he does anything about it. God sees it all before anything rolls out in history. He saw it. And now he says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. Look at this. God says, I am aware of their sufferings. Listen, dear people. God is aware of your suffering. God is aware of your suffering. Even before you pray, He knows what you need before you ask. God is aware of your sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite, Amorite, Pezerite, Hivite, Jebusite. Now, behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. I have seen, I am aware, I have seen, I am aware. Listen, I heard their cry. This is the nature of God. That's why we come to the throne of grace. To find help and mercy in time of need. God hears us when we pray in the name of Jesus. He sees what we're going through. He hears our prayers. What are these things under the altar? What does it say in Revelation? What are these things under the altar? It's the prayers of the saints. No prayer is ever lost that's been prayed in the name of Jesus. So God speaks to him and reveals that he is the God of his fathers, and then he reveals uh, to him his awareness of Egypt, uh, of Israel's condition in Egypt, and then God reveals his will and purpose to deliver them. In verses 8 and 9, as I've said. You know, this is interesting. The secret things are with those who love the Lord. And I, I was going to spend some time, uh, but I decided not to chase this rabbit with you, even though I sometime will give it to you. It's fascinating to look at the wonderful thing about how God tells His secrets to His people. He is our friend through the Lord Jesus Christ and only our Savior. What did the Lord say? You're my friends, so I tell you what I'm going to do. I don't command you, I tell you. What does He say in other places? Well, the same thing is true, that we, we, we are, as God's people, those who are privileged to the secrets of God. Those who do not know Jesus Christ do not know the mysteries and secrets of God. They don't understand these things. That's why I appeal to you as your pastor in these days of terror. It seems like magnified, amplified terror. Don't be afraid. Walk with God. Remember the secrets of God that have been revealed to you. The end of things has already been shown to you, as well as the beginning of things. 
live as people who are aware of the secrets of God, of the mysteries of God and salvation. Live as those who already know the secret. Don't live as people who are fearful, wondering what's going to happen. That's what those in the world will say to you. And you must balance how much of the world you listen to, how much you permit it into your life, how much you allow it to take over your thoughts. And there are many tonight among God's people, it troubles me, that are so fearful and afraid. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Am I afraid of my circumstances or am I afraid of God? You see, this is our, this is our concern. God tells His secrets to His saints. And He's given us the Word of God so that we might see them. That's what I was saying to you before. <clears throat> the Lord rejoiced one time in the Gospels and prayed and said, Father, I thank you. Listen, you have hidden these truths from the wise and you have revealed them to babies. Those uneducated disciples who gave us the letters and Gospels. Think about what you and I have from those unlettered, uneducated men. God has given His secrets to His church. And God expects us as His people to live with confidence because we know the secrets. We know the secrets. Live it. Act it. Be bold. Tell people about Jesus Christ. The end is near. That's what we must be about. So here he reveals this unbelievable thing. Therefore I will come now. I will send you, verse 10, to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. There it is. Your job, Moses. I'm calling you to go do this job for me. But Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? He knows what happened before, right? When he tried to do it in his own power. That didn't work out so well. 12, And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you <clears throat> that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, look at this, you shall worship at this mountain. Here's the sign. <clears throat> I'll be with you. You're going to stay alive, and you're going to do it, and you're going to be right back here with all of God's people. That sounds like an astounding thought. I'm sure to Moses at that time. Moses said, so that's, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's God's call and calling him to be his leader. He's showed him his purposes. <clears throat> and then he begins to say this to him. Now Moses said, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel and I will say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. Now <clears throat> they may say to me, who is, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He is Yahweh. He is the, thus you shall say to them, I am has sent me to you. It's the God, it, this, this name for God is the, is the God of the present tense. I am. Who was, who is, who is to come. He is the great I am. God is the God above time. He is the God of the present. He is the God of the present. He's, he's always the same. 
He does not change. I am He. I am the one who was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am now speaking to Israel as their God to deliver them and praise God for us. He is the God who sent the, the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then the Holy Spirit of God sent to us who are here in the church today. I am, I am, he says. I am has sent me to you. That's what Moses was to say. That was his job. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God your father, uh, the God of your fathers, the God of Jacob, God of Isaac, God of, uh, has sent me to you. <clears throat> and this is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. The holy name of Yahweh. Yahweh. So he told him to go and speak to the elders of Israel. So now he has to go back to Egypt after he's been away for so long. Go and gather the elders together and say, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Jacob, has appeared to me. And I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So now he becomes the spokesman for God. Moses goes... Think about this. After all this obscurity, after all these years have gone, and he comes back and says, God has appeared to me in the wilderness, and I am to be the one to deliver you. It takes courage for us to go to our world and tell them about the gospel, doesn't it? You're always outnumbered. You're always among the unbeliever. But we go anyway. And we rejoicingly, happily, Go. See, this is his commission, just like we have a commission. His commission was, go tell the elders that I have appeared to you and that I am is going to deliver you. The God who is Yahweh. And I will bring you up out of the afflict, uh, affliction of Egypt in the land of Canaan, uh, verse 17. Uh, and then he goes on to the land flowing with milk and honey. Notice, God tells him ahead of time what's going to happen. This is what's so wonderful about I'm mentioning to the Word of God. You know the wonderful thing about the prophecies? We, some of you have just hung on with me for years and years. And some of you were in the room while we spent, it seemed like years, going through the minor prophets. <laughs> one by one. The book of twelve. And you know what's in those minor prophets? Many prophecies about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God calls us, but He also tells us His secrets about the future. Now, He gives us what He wants to give us. Some people try to speculate and add to it. But God is giving to all of us or His people what's going to come in the future. Why are we afraid? There's no reason to be afraid if you already know what's going to happen. So Moses is told ahead of time. They're, they're going to pay attention to what you say. Verse 18, the elders will come to the king of Egypt and they'll say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to our Lord. Verse 19, but I know the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. This is God telling him what he's going to, what's going to happen. This is what I'm saying. It's prophet. God is telling him ahead of time what's going to happen. God tells us ahead of time what's about to happen. We're not stuck here without any future direction. We have plenty of direction if we'll pay attention to the Word of God and quit listening to 
silliness. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the miracles which I shall do in the midst of it. And after it, he will let you go. I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house articles of silver, gold, clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters, and then you will plunder the Egyptians. <laughs> They're going to go out loaded up with all kinds of stuff as they leave Egypt. <clears throat> well, what do we remember tonight? Trying not to be chasing too many rabbits. Well, I must remind you tonight now of several things about God's call on us as believers. Number one, I'll go quickly. <clears throat> God's people have been called to salvation. The call of God is first to be saved. Jesus is tenderly calling. Jesus is tenderly calling. I think of those words in the Proverbs. Wisdom cries in the streets. She cries in the streets. I think of the Lord Jesus on that great day of the feast. He stood up and said in the chaos and the noise and the, and the, the masses of crowds at that great feast. When they're pouring out the water. Come to me if you are thirsty. And I will give you drink. Jesus calls. We don't call. God starts the work of drawing us to be saved when we hear the gospel. That's why we share the gospel. We don't try to pick who will be saved. I, I've often thought about this when I was a young preacher you know, we'd preach and I'd think, well, though, well that fellow's going to get saved. No, it was never the one I thought was going to be saved. It, was, it would be this other one. This guy got saved? I mean, of all the... This guy has so much potential. What, this guy, what? It's God's way. It's God's way. The call goes out through your testimony and mine. The call goes out as we share the gospel. How shall they hear without a preacher? We have to tell somebody. It can't just be the me's, the preachers. It has to be all of us going and sharing where we are, sitting one by one with people. In, think of the genius of God scattering you to where you are with the peace, people you know. You have the chance. I have the chance. As we cross people in the ways of life, we are a part of people hearing the call of God. 2 Timothy 1.9, He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. 1 Timothy 6.12, Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called. We're called to eternal life. Come and live forever. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. <clears throat> be born again so that you might have eternal life, so that you may never die. I mean, the words go on and on. This is the call of God. It comes in the gospel as we share the gospel. God's people are the church, by the way. Let me remind you, ecclesia. I gave you the word. Here's the Greek word, ecclesia. 
the called out. Ek is out. Klesia, klesio, it's the word for calling. Called out. We're called out. We're called out of the wickedness of the world. We're called out of our old ways of life. We're called out of darkness. My friend, you've been called by God. If you're saved, God called you out of the world, out of sin. Romans 1, 6, and 7, among whom you are also the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called saints. We're the called ones. We're the ones who've been called out. God's people are called to be holy. I come back to Romans 1, 7. Called to be hagios is the Greek word. Called to be holy ones. We're called not only to be saved, but we're called to be holy. <clears throat> I make much of this in my preaching about holiness because it is a foundational matter. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Whatever someone says is salvation, if it does not produce holiness in their life, they're not saved. That's why you hear me talk about this over and over and for years on end about the importance of living as godly, holy people in a wicked and ungodly world. We've been called out of ungodliness. And when there's ungodliness in our life, there's something wrong with us. We are called to be saints. We are called to be holy ones. <clears throat> so God's people are called. When the Lord called me out, He called me out of my wickedness and sinfulness and called me to live in holiness of mind, in holiness of attitude, in holiness of words, in holiness of actions. Not just in the world, but when I'm at the church house with the other holy ones. We're called to salvation and we're called to be holy and God's calling is permanent, by the way. This isn't some temporary deal. And we'll call you for just a little while. No, the calling of God is permanent. Romans 8, 30. Whom He called, these He also justified. Whom He justified, He glorified. This is the process of being called. God begins the calling at salvation and He continues the work of, of His grace in our lives until we're one day in that perfect day in that place of eternity, permanently with the Lord. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me. The Lord Jesus said, we looked at this in detail in John. And the one who comes to me, I certainly will not cast out. God's people are called to serve. We saw it here with Moses. God has a personal relationship with Moses, but then he says, I have something for you to do. I'm talking to every one of you, my brothers and sisters, in the waning years of, you know, in the waning days of my mother's life, you know, she just didn't know what she could ever do. You can always do something for God to your final breath if it's nothing but pray. What are you doing tonight for God? Do you know your assignment? Pastor Mike, I'm, I'm, I'm too old. I mean, what can God do with me? Wait a minute. You do know that Moses started at 80 here. You do know that. Remember, I called Sid out a couple weeks ago. I said, Sid, Moses was as old as you. Sid didn't appreciate that, but that's all right. He'll get over it. God's people are called to serve. Go and serve. Go and make disciples. Go. I like it. Here's what he says. Come now, I'll send you. Go. 
<clears throat> Don't ever forget when the Lord told the disciples of the Great Commission, <clears throat> they didn't have a lot of resources. All they had was an assignment to go. Maybe we've got too many resources. God's people are called to suffer. Don't get out of it. I was talking to one of our dear sisters at the church today and was just talking about salvation. You know, God doesn't just... We want God to save us from things. Don't drift on me now. I'm about finished. I know you've heard me enough. You're about ready to go. Just stay with me. This is important. God, we want God to save us from something. Get me out of it. But sometimes God says, I'm going to save you in it. And I'm going to keep you in it. And we don't understand that, do we? God saves us in our circumstances as well as saving us from our circumstances. God's work of salvation is very is multifaceted. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. And if you're saved tonight and you've been called to salvation, you're called to holiness, you're called to serve God, what are you doing? Are you serving God? Are you carrying out the Great Commission? Are you doing what God's called us to do? Are you suffering? For to this you were called, 1 Peter 2, 21. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example <clears throat> that you should follow in His steps. <clears throat> there are cultural issues in our world today that will demand the church of today and in the future to make a stand which will be unpopular and there will be suffering. I believe even in America. The place no one thought would ever happen. You won't be popular when you stand for the truths of God's Word as they're taught. You won't be accepted. You might be shunned. You might even be punished. You might even lose a job. You... We're called to suffer. Because our Lord suffered. And we suffer too. So if I understand that I'm called to suffer, it makes a difference in how I pray in my suffering. Doesn't it? So you must think about that tonight. And oh, I can't leave this. I didn't add, I, I neglected to put it on your sheet. <clears throat> it was one of those great days we had in looking at the Word of God in Philippians chapter 3. I'll just read it real quickly as we go. I've got three minutes. You know, this church has provided me with a clock with minutes and seconds. So I appreciate the reminder. I've looked up there. I've looked up there for years at that clock clicking away. Philippians 3, <clears throat> verse number 14. You remember these words? I'll just read it to you. A beginning in uh, verse number 12. Not that I've already obtained it uh, and have become perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold for that for which I have been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Make it even clearer for you. The upward call. You see, God's people will be called out of this world. But we do not want you to be ignorant, 1 Thessalonians 4. 
about those who, is, who are asleep in the Lord, that you do not grieve as those who have no hope. For we, we believe that if Jesus died and rose again, God will bring them with us. For we say this by the word of the Lord, that we are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. We're going to see later in the book of Exodus that the trumpets were blown <clears throat> to call God's people to worship. Together, there were assigned Levites to blow the trumpets. The trumpet will finally blow. The call will come for God's saints. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Oh, the shout of God. The call of God. It's coming. The call of God is coming. The trumpet will sound. The trumpet will sound. And we will be taken out of this world as God finishes His business of judgment in this place. So what do I do with all of this? Let me ask you these questions as we go. I put them down there at the bottom. <clears throat> Where were you when God called you to salvation? You ought to know that if you're saved. Where were you? I remember those Promptings coming to me as a little nine-year-old boy sitting with my dad saying, Dad, you know, I need to, I'm, God's talking to me. You remember where you were? I hope you remember where you were. When God started calling. You see, the tenderness of your heart will always be maintained if you remember where you were when God called you. You're going to get hard-hearted as a Christian? God can't use you if you're hard-hearted, if you're proud, if you think you're trying to control everything. What were the circumstances of God's call to salvation in your life? What kind of unusual circumstances happened to you? I wish I could get all of our church to be warm-hearted about this and think about where they were when they got saved rather than some of the things they think about that really don't matter. That won't matter a hill of beans. But seemingly, they're the most important things we worry about. How did you know that God was calling you to salvation? Was it just a feeling you had? Fellow, you told me, no, I just had a feeling. Well, I have a lot of feelings. It's beyond a feeling. It's a drawing. It's catching your attention. It's making you evaluate everything else you have and thinking, this is what I need. I don't need these other things. So what did Peter say to us in 2 Peter 1.10? I close with this. Make sure about God's calling and choosing you. You want to make sure you're saved? This is where it starts. Make sure you were called by God. Not called by a preacher. Not called by a book. Not called by... Who called you? God must call you if you're to be saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the calling of the Lord Jesus... I pray tonight that someone hears the call of God. Somehow in all of these recordings we do through our church and all of our singing, all of our... How I pray that the wonderful calling of God through the Holy Spirit 
People will be awakened from their sinfulness and they'll be drawn by the sweetness of the call of salvation. Come to me and I will give you rest. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for calling us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for using us for your service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday. Say hello. If you look around, if you see somebody that you don't know, say hello to them on your way out. God bless you. Have a great week. And God bless those of you who joined us tonight. Be safe and we'll see you soon. Lord willing.